Good afternoon, everybody. It is Sunday this time. We had to uh, postpone the stream just so we made sure we have all the information we need to have for you to make it a good podcast. But uh, this is Gaming Sessions and Everything Under the Sun. I am David, aka Vincent DB82, and over in his secret command bunker is... And I wanted to get a little bit further in uh, one of the topics that we're going to be talking about. I forgot way more than I thought. You're lucky you're on management's good side so far. Yeah, that's what it means to be management. No, the other other management. <laughs> the other other management? Yes. The other other management. But yes, so... Sunday edition. Um, actually, here, let me uh, put a blast out of it, I guess. So you can watch us play whilst recording if you follow us on Twitch at GSAEUTS. shall tweet first so uh while i'm doing getting this set up how was your week uh my week wasn't too bad uh sat down watched a couple of shows listened to a couple of podcasts uh watched some twitch streams of my own uh i was actually watching a Twitch stream of uh, one of the top players in Dragon Ball Fighters tournament scene, and uh, so is this where that uh, that one thing happened with the stuff? Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> uh, well, it is the stream where that happened, but just on a. But I'm not talking about that. Uh, it's just that whenever I watch one of like the top eight players or the top sixteen players like in the world playing the game, and they play online because the new season three patches hit and the game is completely brand new now, and everyone's trying to f- kind of figure things out and how things now work. And then what they'll do is they'll put together a team, they'll be practicing the team, and they'll go play online. And they'll just be like, jeez, why is this online so bad? Jeez, this is so terrible. Every single one of them (laughs) constantly are like, online is so bad. (laughs) 
it's just it's just really funny to me like, so, like the ping like a ping connection issue going on well no they have delay uh delay based netcode and what delay based netcode is is basically one of the your computer connects to another computer and then one of those computers will host so it it has to send the information out and then receive the information back and the further away mm. you are from the person that you're connected to the worse it is because it takes longer and longer for the packet to get to its destination and then come back so and i talked about this on another podcast i'm pretty sure but uh no you probably did yeah so the problem <laughs> is that that works if you're all in the same state and since japan is about the size of california they've only ever needed <laughs> delayed based netcode but when you bring it to other countries that you know aren't the size of your backyard <laughs> um it causes a very serious problem in that there's a lot of lag it's very choppy and it's hard it is impossible to play the game at the highest level it's really impossible to play the game at the highest level when you are uh when uh it's hard like to play you're, the game you're trying to go for an uppercut and then you're just kind of hanging there until the packet gets back and then it finally connects well, no, it's it's actually a little <laughs> bit more insidious than that because what it is oh, is uh, it's it's split second timing. You can't react to things. You uh, certain things that wouldn't work if you could actually move properly work. Like uh, one of the things that the uh, one of the things that every uh, Uh, You'll get it. <laughs> one of the things that uh, every pro player always talks about when they're uh, uh, when they're um, uh, what am I? Uh, what is the what, words? Words? Brain and words. Uh, one of the things they always say is that the online play is not the real game. That is not the correct. That is not the real game. The, the right. real game uh, is when you um, the real game is when you don't have all that delay and lag. That's the real game. Yeah, I could imagine I'd probably be frustrated as hell. Like, <laughs> like there there are certain combos you just can't do online, and there are certain things you can do online that you never get away with in an actual with an actual solid connection so stuff you do online you could never get away with uh if you were playing in a tournament because a tournament isn't online an actual official tournament is you have to go to the venue and you're basically playing two-player couch so there is no delay 
so you can't yeah, get away with being uh, <laughs> like I was watching uh, like one of the top players is Nakiel. I was watching his and he's playing this person and they are just like he's literally just pointing out when they just start punching. He's like, look, I'm like in the air and he's just like I he uh, no, I think it was super new. I think it was super new. It's like, look at this cat. He is seriously shadow boxing. I am in the air, and he's just pressing buttons. Like, my man is shadow boxing over here. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I am still getting it wrong. I am still getting it wrong. It's Cloud. It was Cloud 805, I believe it was. He was the one that was saying that. I'm getting my people mixed up because... Uh, I'm getting all my people mixed up, but he's like, yeah, seriously, my man's is shadow boxing over here. He's, and uh, I remember, cause I, uh, and I was, and, and really, the rule of thumb online is, when in doubt, mash it out. Like, <laughs> like this, just, just start pressing buttons. Something you, you'll most likely win. And, and every time, every time, a, uh, what'll happen is. Uh, one of the uh, pro players will be playing online, right? And someone will just mash buttons. They'll just mash it out and they'll beat them on something. And the pro player is like, how does that beat that? That doesn't beat that. What? It's like they're so, so – and I'm like, dude, this is online. And they'll be like, why is this person playing like this? Why is this person playing like this? How are they playing like this? And, and I'm just sitting here like because that works. It, it's completely different rules when you're online, man. <laughs> I think I'd seen a uh, on Facebook years ago. It was like uh, like the fighting, the type of fighting game players. You got like the the tech, the techs who will do all the combos and everything, and do like like you do. You'll lab out your combos. But then you get the button masters that are just like, and then they still beat you. And you're like, oh, well, yeah. And it's like even in matches I play, like the, the, the last like couple of ranked matches I actually played, I was even pointing out. I was like, my man's is just flailing. I'm, I'm sitting here like it's so hard to deal with flailers because they're just swinging everywhere and you don't know how to defend yourself against and well I don't know how to defend myself against that right it's hard to defend yourself against it basically the mentality is you can't predict what I'm going to do if I don't even know what I'm going to do <laughs> that's literally the mentality online it's like I'm just gonna mash buttons you can't stop me if you don't know what I'm going to do and you can't figure out what I'm going to do because I don't even know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and that's literally the online mentality. Um, hey, so, I finally killed somebody. But, uh, so I, I did that. Uh, started back up uh, reading a couple books. Um, uh, found out some, uh, I really have gotten into the game, uh, Crit got me into, uh, Warhammer Inquisitor, Inquisitor mm -hmm. Mark, yeah, and that's been pretty good. It's basically War, it's basically Diablo Warhammer. Uh, the only thing, uh, my only 
real issues with the game are that I wish it had more classes. Um, and I wish it was a little bit... It does really good uh, when it comes to portraying Warhammer. And that's one thing almost every Warhammer game I've has. They're really good at the artwork and art style of Warhammer. Like, they really bring it through. You feel like you're in the world. Um... <clears throat> So, uh, so I've been I've been doing a lot of that. I've got three characters. None of them are at max level. Um, my only re uh, my my critiques of the my critique of the game is uh, I wish it had more classes. Um, I wish uh, it was a little bit cleaner. Because there's still sometimes you can get like a shield, and sometimes the shield will look bugged, so it won't look like a proper. It won't look. It won't render properly. I guess is the word. Um, so I wish that wasn't right. an issue. Um, your attacks have like auto targeting. Your character will literally just auto target and go toward an enemy. So sometimes it's hard to actually direct your attacks. Um. The way you want to because sometimes you'll try to because uh, you have basically you have a main attack for single targeting and you have a secondary attack for waves so you can hit multiple enemies at a time and then you have uh and then you'll have two like special specialized uh abilities well the wave you have to you normally have to aim it or at least some of the weapons uh make you aim it and with the auto and because the game auto targets and I'll need to check if I can turn it off I don't know if I can turn it off maybe I can turn it off but what it does is you'll try to aim it at one and it'll switch to an enemy that's closer and completely miss an entire pack of enemies that you were aiming at so mm. pain in the butt um, sounds like so much fun <laughs> well the game is actually really good I actually think I had looked looked that up I, I think it is on xbox but it's like an 80 dollar game then so that's, that's the gonna have to game. inquisitor yeah warhammer inquisitor martyr if it's an 80 dollar game then that's a package you're getting like a bunch of you're paying for a bunch of other stuff the base game should be 60 or less because mm. uh the creators of the game don't like lowering their prices ever. Which is probably also why their games don't do as well as they probably could. Yeah, games workshop. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I did that. Um... Oh, what was I... Oh no 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 that's that's for later. But yeah, so that's a that's about what I did this week. Um I I do apologize to our listeners. I still haven't gotten the YouTube channel up. I still haven't gotten the videos up. I know I'm way way overdue for it. Connection. Um I am uh I need to open up a new one and then I need to get all the footage. You still there? Up. Yeah, oh, I'm the one having connection issues. 
Of course. <clears throat> Can you hear me now? David? <coughs> oh, we're having technical difficulties. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go on to the ding. Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, you hear me now? Okay. Yeah. But, Good uh, old Discord's having connection issues. Gotcha. Uh, everything has connection issues. I just don't think there's anything we can do about it at this point. Mm. Um, but uh, that, that was pretty much my week. Uh, Refamiliarizing myself with stuff on... Uh, so on and so forth. Well, for <clears throat> for me, it was not a fun week. I ended up getting some kind of thing in my foot. I thought it was a gout flare, but uh, the wonderful medical technicians at the uh, local ER couldn't figure the hell, couldn't figure the fuck out what it was. I had to end up going back twice this past week second time they finally gave me something that will uh that helped fight it off so i'll be going back to work tomorrow yay um i have a new adventures in uh, print and play for this week i uh printed out a uh the guy's name is manuel correa and the game is called contactics it's the the game all the rules for the game fit on a business card and I saw it on his website. I thought it was kind of cool, so I downloaded it and printed it out. Plus a, uh, a, a, I guess you would call this a seven-card version of a, uh, a fan, fan-made seven-card version of a game called Terraforming Mars. But this one's called Tiny Forming Mars. So there was that. Um, what else? So, uh having all that time off when I wasn't sleeping uh, I finished up the old the uh, original six seasons of the Clone Wars trilogy yeah. and in the in our uh, behind the scenes uh, bonus stuff I talked a little bit about it one in uh, like one of the lovely plot armor bits to make the plot of a particular arc work they had to forget that Ahsoka was not even on Coruscant when this event happened. But through the magic of plot armor, uh, they figured she was the one who did the thing, even though she wasn't even there when the thing happened. So there was that. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, for Destiny was, uh, it was mayhem, or still mayhem this week until tomorrow which is always fun when you can just throw out your super every five to 10 seconds. I actually switched my hunter to golden gun just to uh, fucker have a little fun just one-shotting people. That way I can know what it feels like to one-shot someone because uh, yeah. I don't know if I'd brought it, I don't know if I had brought it up on any of the podcasts, but uh, I think that Bungie devs favor Titans because you can just get 
stupid with with a titan just run around and and they and they did it in the first destiny you get people playing titans just run around the map and shoulder charge you and the shoulder charge is a one-hit kill well everything and it's still everything was a one-hit kill in the original Bungie. If you hit someone with your old you had to have skill when it came to a hunter, because you know you had the throwing knife. But if you could aim the throwing knife and hit him in the face, yeah, it was a one-hit kill. And uh, <clears throat> and then the the other thing was the uh, titan, or not the titans, the warlocks had that stupid, ridiculous reach with their melee attack. Well, now in in uh, Destiny Two. The Titans have a choice of which one-hit kill they want to use on you. Seismic Strike, Shoulder Charge, uh, the Shield Bash, or the Hammer Strike. <clears throat> so, when I switched to the to the Gunslinging subclass for the, for the Mayhem, I chose the top build, which gives you an Exploding Knife. Which still, once again, <clears throat> if you can hit them, in the face or near, that'll get you a one-hit kill because the knife does the hit damage and it does exploding damage. <clears throat> and then when you activate the golden gun, that's just a one-hit kill no matter where you hit him. Although there was one or two times when I was trying to take out a Titan, I had to shoot him twice. Which again, I just think Destiny or yeah, the Bungie devs. I think they all play Titan. Because, uh, to quote uh, Asher Mir, it's like, oh, let me find something to punch in the face. Because that's what a Titan does. I've played all three classes, and they all have, they all pretty much have something pretty okay. Well, I mean, I play all three classes too, but I mean, I main Hunter. Just because that's how I roll. Did I get him? I did get him! Yay! I got another kill! I feel useful! Um, <clears throat> what else? Uh, trying to think, trying to think... I think that was pretty much my week, was just trying to get better, a lot of sleeping, uh, watching Clone Wars, playing Destiny, Oh yeah, uh, with uh, with Gerald's help, although he had to explain it a couple times yesterday, I did catch my first monster in Monster Hunter World. <clears throat> Let me tell you how frustrating that shit was, <clears throat> especially since it was the Kulu Yaku. Hang on a second. Got congestion in my throat. That's irritating. Um, but yeah, so trying to, so like trying to beat the, beat the son bitch down so I can do the thing. And then the first time he, he was like laying down to sleep. So I set the first shock trap accidentally thinking it was just like most other things. You just select it and then pull the trigger to get it to, uh, <clears throat> to do, but no, no, it was, uh, I selected it and then it just laid the shock trap like five feet away from the sleeping monster so i was irritated about that 
<clears throat> then I quit that um, quest because I thought I didn't have any more. When I got back to the city, I realized I still had stuff to use, so I was mad at myself for that. <clears throat> Went in back the second time after uh, Gerald had explained that you have to do it this way first. You have to get this thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would probably help if, you know, that way I'm not just throwing shop traps and, and trank bombs out at something that can't actually be caught yet. <laughs> and finally caught it. So I was happy about that. And that's basically been about my week. <clears throat> So, since, uh, since Joe did some extra research, I'm eager to hear what his, uh, what his extreme sports he would like to try are after the break. Insert break here. Okay. So, let's hear, and we're back. <laughs> So let's hear about these extreme sports that Gerald would like to try. Well, it's, uh, well, first let's, uh, for those who may not know how many of them there are, and because I found some interesting ones that you wouldn't think were extreme sports or extreme activities, uh, I thought I'd name off a couple of, uh, a couple of the ones that I found. There's pretty are you um, playing as Fenrir? Then again, these are, yeah. Um, but then again, this is the easy bot, so I can't expect too <laughs> so much. Yeah. Um, we're almost but, uh, so apparently, uh, so we know skydiving. That's like mm -hmm. a, a norm. When anyone thinks of something extreme they might be doing, everyone think, everyone probably thinks of skydiving in like the top five list. Um, Skydiving, bungee jumping. Yeah. Now, uh, what I didn't <clears throat> know is that uh, apparently skiing is considered an extreme activity. Well, I can see that depending on, you know, whether you're doing like a black diamond slope or a double black diamond slope. Oh, but I, but I got myself killed. Hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they did skiing. There is zip lining, so zip lining hmm. is one. There's bridge climbing, which apparently a really uh, a, a very popular spot to do it is Sydney Harbor Bridge, and like yeah, one of their I can see that. Uh, one of their uh, like uh, oh, what would you call it? Not a catchphrase, but. One of the, they they offer day and night bridge climbing, and one of the things that they say is attempt the bridge climbing at night if you dare, and it's basically just mm. holding up the bridge oh, uh, and climbing up the rungs. Oh, uh, a caveat, I think, is what you're looking for. Yeah. So I thought that that was yeah that was new to me that bridge climbing was a thing. Yeah, that's news to me too. That's interesting. I might have to add that to my list. Uh, sorry, I am concentrating on the map. 
match and also trying to dead little dead circus. It's okay, I, I'm sure our audience understands. But uh yeah, bridge climbing caught me off guard. There is exotic car driving, which is basically like sports cars and race car driving. Um, there's rafting, canoeing, uh, uh, rafting and canoeing are about the same. Um, I could see whitewater rafting kind of being an extreme sport. Uh, yeah, I kind of figured that too. Uh, it, there's it, there's another one too. It's canoeing, rafting, and one other one. Um, what kayaking? Kayaking. And then kayaking. Um, yeah, I've done that one. Oh, how was it? Uh, well, so um, it's it's all about your core, keeping balance. Now, now it was um, it was in Jacksonville, so we did it at it was just at a lake, so it wasn't like you know going down a <clears throat> you know like it wasn't like whitewater kayaking, which I'm sure is also a thing. And not something I would try until I get really good at just kayaking on a on a calm body of water. But it was fun. Yeah. You got to use your your core to keep the keep the boat balanced while you're doing the paddling. So it was it was cool. It was I. <laughs> it was I. Gaia. Um. Then there's sandboarding. Which is probably exactly what you think it is. It's it's basically sledding down sand dunes, um, mm. and apparently you can do it like you're surfing. Mm. But if you're not good <laughs> enough to keep your balance on it, you can just sled down it, just like you're in a, just like if you're in the snow. Um, I've done a version of that down it, but it was using the uh, like the circular, like shield sled down a dirt hill I didn't go very far <laughs> well apparently a, there's a extreme biking which is like an extreme activity and I was reading Mountain up biking. on it and I was like oh well I did that back when I was like 10 because me and my friends right where we used <laughs> to live there was a spot out in the woods where we take our bikes and we called it devil's drop and it was like a five or six <laughs> foot bowl in this hill. So you go up one huh. side of the hill, ride your bike down it into it, and then come up on the other side. We used to do that shit all the time. <laughs> yeah, there was a... So I've kind of done similar as a kid as well. Um, in Texas, there's a, a lake called Grapevine Lake. And my dad and I would take our mountain bikes like on a Saturday and go like halfway around. And there was one part where there was probably a, I don't know, maybe a 20-degree incline. It was kind of steep. And uh, I managed to get down, managed to go all the way down without falling off. But as soon as I hit the bottom, I had to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's cool. Uh, bungee jumping, which is, of course, when people think of extreme activity, skydiving, bungee jumping, those would probably be in your top five. Uh, there's rappelling, which is the act of going down a mountain. Um, there's also mm -hmm. a version of this for skiing. Uh, it's called helicopter skiing, 
where they fly you up to the top of a mountain or a slope in a helicopter and you just ski down from there. Um, it's basically the same as repelling. I even saw one that was called uh, uh, cliff camping. Where, and the picture they show was literally a guy in a tent hanging from a ledge. And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, I'm okay with not ever, ever, ever doing that. Um, there's also caving, which is just the exploration of caves. I've seen too many cave horror movies to be comfortable with that anymore. Like, I always thought going like going through hikes and tours inside of cave systems might be actually interesting and fun, but with all the, like, horror movies about that, I'm just like, eh, I'm okay. <laughs> um, there's Swimming with Sharks, which is another, I think, normal one. Okay, let's try that again. Oh, are you back? Did you get disconnected? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, continue. Uh, what was the last thing you heard? Not sure. Uh, no, it was uh, the you said it was uh, repelling, but then you said also skiing. Uh, yeah, that there was a, a version of it called skiing, which is helicopter skiing, and they just fly you up to the top and you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's also jump caving, the... uh, swimming with sharks. <laughs> yeah, that's actually one that most people talk about when they talk about an extreme activity is swimming with sharks. Um, I don't, there are very few times that they're swimming with large sharks, though. Like, I don't know of anybody who does swimming with great whites. No one does that. No, no, that's, uh, no, that's, yeah, that's where you have the cage. Yeah, so... Uh, then there's paragliding, then you have hang gliding, uh, mm. the rock climbing, of course, uh, uh, and then they have glacial or glacier climbing, where you mm. just climb yeah. glaciers, so that's a thing. Uh, mm. Deep sea fishing, and... That's an extreme sport? Deep sea fishing is apparently an extreme sport. <laughs> And uh, deep sea fishing is where you go and you uh, you catch uh, you're, you're going like and you're tuna or big ass fish. Yeah, well, I guess tuna fishing could be uh, considered an extreme sport too, because those those fuckers are mean. They they have a TV show about it. Oh, is it tuna <laughs> about tuna. Yeah, yeah, it's called Wicked Tuna. Evidently, those fuckers are, are vicious. So just remember that when you're having your tuna sandwich. Someone had to fight <laughs> that fucker to get it. Ah, uh, missed him. Oh, is that you with the uh, with the solar death ray? Uh, no, I'm the uh, ice giant. Um, yep. And hiking is also an extreme sport, which is something I've done often enough. Hmm. Would would uh, would people consider rough marching hiking? I think it's any kind of hiking. There is no. I, I didn't find any real specifications like this is extreme extreme hiking or this is like, like I didn't find any like extra distinctions about it. Um, hmm. 
So I think it's just any kind of hiking. Um, mm. Well, then now, I've done plenty of that, including the uh, the lovely Manchu Mile, which I did when I was in South Korea. It's a 25-mile ruck march up three progressively steeper mountains. Did it, did it in 11 and a half hours. I, I envy none of your military service. <laughs> you should thank me for my service! I do. I absolutely appreciate it. Admit I didn't have to do it. Nah, I'm just kidding about that. It's like, you're welcome for my service. Ah, I hate people like that. Eh, I think, well... I, I'm of two minds about this. If you are someone, if you are a, uh, if you are a veteran telling people to thank you for your service, I have to say you need to remember that you don't do it for people to thank you for it. You do it because you think it's the right thing to do, and the right thing to do is something people don't really think you thank you for. Um, yeah. Yeah. But if people thank you for it, uh, don't, because uh, there are there are veterans and, and uh, military people who don't really, they get uncomfortable when they get thanked for it. Because um, mm -hmm. yep. some of my friends are that way. They, they get uncomfortable when people come up to them and thank them for their service. And the thing is, don't feel uncomfortable about it. Don't feel like people, you don't need to feel like people need to thank you, but if a person does thank you, accept it. Because yeah, what you I do mean, is a valuable thing. Uh, and you something that very few people would do. for yourselves, but you do it for your country and the people who live in it. So don't yeah. be shy when people do thank you, but do also don't be the kind of person who thinks you're entitled to it. You're not. <laughs> like you are, you are right? This is still something you are doing of your own free will. You weren't, like, you weren't drafted into it. Like if you were drafted right. into it, I could see you being. I could see a person, a, a veteran, being like, "Well, you should thank me for that," because <laughs> then it was because I did it when you choice. did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like for me, if someone like if someone would ask, "Well, were you in the military?" It's like, "Yeah, I was in the army." Well, thank you. It's like, yeah, I wanted to do it. It's not something I feel uncomfortable about, but like sometimes you can overthink. I guess, but you know it's neither here nor there. So yeah, back to the sports. Right. Uh, so the I actually picked four, which got brought down to three because one of them, which is sky swinging, and then I started looking in the sky swinging, and it's basically those amusement park rides where they put you in a harness and just swing you around at like 350 miles an hour. And I was like, nope, mm -hmm. didn't like them when I was a kid. Don't like them now. <laughs> nope, I've done that one too. Yep. No, no, not, not, never, never again, never again. I, I don't appreciate being turned into a yo-yo. <laughs> um, and, and for my other... next trick, around the world. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not, not doing that. No, no, not happening. <laughs> um. Nope. Your 
tank is not there. Don't get yourselves killed. Um, so I picked, uh, well, I did pick deep sea fishing because I, I have, I've done a fair amount of fishing from now <laughs> and when I was a kid. Um, so I would love to go out and like, uh, fish for sharks and marlin and mahi-mahi and stuff like that. Um, uh, and well, I, I think for mahi-mahi, you'd have to go to Hawaii, but that can be done. Well, right. Um... And you can actually get charters for personal fishing mm -hmm. and tours. Um, and they range from like four and a half hours to... Uh, why do I have that written weirdly? But they range from four and a half hours to six hours to eight hours to 11 hours and 13 hour trips. Um, mm -hmm. Now, this is where it makes me pause, because the average cost of doing deep sea, deep sea fishing, if you're touring, or even if you're going personally, is $165 to $240 per person. Mm-hmm. Um, Gotta pay for the pay for the the boat fuel the captain's time yeah all that kind of good stuff yep. and it gets more expensive if you go past six people so that's the that's the that's probably the biggest deterrent to me doing this because um, <laughs> i do not have that kind of money <laughs> to spend yeah. like a thousand dollars for a day of deep sea fishing. I mean, I have friends who have boats and we can just go out to the ocean. <laughs> but I, you have to right. have like a specific license, I do believe, to deep sea fish. You're not just allowed to uh, drive your boat out and uh, fish. Dang government trying dang to government. get their dirty gotta fingers. Gotta get its peace. Government gotta get its peace. Hmm. Right, okay, um, so deep sea fishing. But, uh, so I, I picked deep sea fishing, and I also picked dog sledding, which I didn't think dog sledding was, like, an extreme activity. Oh, um, yeah. But, yeah, I would love to go dog sledding. And there's actually, apparently, a lot of places here in America that you can go dog sledding, too. I mean, it basically, uh... Basically, it originated here and in, uh, in Siberia. I would assume Siberia first, and then we carried it over here. But uh, to Alaska, and then into other states where you got a lot of snow. Yeah, like well, the one you're in now. Apparently, there are uh, dog sledding uh, tours that you can take that are in Montana, Colorado, Utah, Michigan, Wyoming. I'm honestly surprised there isn't one in the uh, northern states like North Dakota and uh, 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 that surprises me too. Uh, <laughs> it's the place that's right next to North Dakota. What is it? Uh, Idaho. Starts with an M. Montana. Is it Montana? Maybe it's Montana. I yeah. said Montana. Um, yeah, Montana, Idaho, then uh, I think Washington State. Is what's there on the top? Yeah. Um. Uh, you do need to make your. I found that you need to make your reservations as early as you can because they do have like a waiting list because they can get sold mm -hmm. out fairly easily. Um, the rides are from a minimum of twenty-five minutes and longer. Uh, and.
then the tours usually start from, on average, they're about $150 to $250 a, a ride, basically. Um, and they give you meet the they give basically give you FaceTime with the dog, so you can meet all the dogs first before you go on the uh, before you Puppers. actually go on the ride. So yeah, if you're a dog lover, it's a great place to just run into all to to just pet a bunch of sled uh, sled dogs, <laughs> huskies, malamutes, all uh, them big old fuzzy noisy dogs. <laughs> Uh, and the last one I picked was Zorbing. Did you know that this was a thing? Who? Zorbing. It is basically what they do is they put you inside of a giant plastic bouncy ball and roll you down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> so and that not... has a name. Huh? Yes, it has so a name. So that has a name. <laughs> <laughs> it has a name. So, and not only that, is not only can you do it on a flat plane or on a hill, but you can also do it on the water because the way Zorb mm. uh, spheres are made is that it's a it's two it's two spheres, an inner one that you're in, and then an outer one, and then there's a layer of air, so it's buoyant. So you can actually yeah. go. Some of the tours allow you to just go across river, uh, go across water like rivers and lakes. Um. Mm. But yeah, I was like, and I was like, I saw that and I was like, oh, I would really like to try that. That that seems so fun. Um, and you can do harnessed and non-harnessed. Um, and I think if you're harnessed <laughs> in, you're suspended. If you're harnessed in, you're yeah, suspended. Sure. And if you're not harnessed, you're just free bouncing all over the place. So... <laughs> um, Where can and, I buy one of these? Uh, actually, here in the <laughs> states, apparently they do it a lot in Wisconsin, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania. Oh, and they no, also... no, no, no. I wanna, I want to buy the ball. Well, just I so I can you. absorb all over the place. Well, eBay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear that name very much anymore, but eBay still exists and still is as big as it ever was. <laughs> hmm. Um. I was actually surprised only... by how widespread this was, because apparently it's popular in the United Kingdom, New Zealand, Sweden, Estonia, Japan, Thailand. It's like, yeah, it's like roll around in a giant plastic ball while you're having sex with your little boys. I, I guess Thailand. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, like you know well, what I was, they say I about was thinking you, Thailand. It... <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking more like. Uh... Like, hey, let's zorb down uh, Fujisama. Uh, let's see. Can I go... Wait. Can I go back? Or do I have to... Can I pick some... Uh, can I pick someone else? But I'm not sure what to... Can I pick a different... What, you don't want to use the bird? Well, no. I picked, like, the big... Uh, well, I'll just use it. I'll just try him out. Whatever. Um, yeah. Oh, and zorbing can go anywhere from... it. It's on average, it costs about $5 to $100 a person for a limited time, or you can pay, I think, a little bit extra to just do it all day. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'm i going to have to see if I can't find a place nearby where I can go try that out, because that sounds really fun. <laughs> well, now I'm going to have to adjust my list. <laughs> <laughs> 
But those were the four. Yeah, those were the ones that I picked personally that I thought sounded pretty cool to try. And I, I and I wanted to give out a list of. I wanted to make a list and let the uh, those listening, um, know about all the different ones because there were some on the list that I didn't even know were considered extreme activities. It didn't know existed. So I was like, oh well, just for other people who may also not know. And then they can go check it out on their own time when they want to. But what were your? Well, opinions? we can always post that on. We can always post that on uh, either Facebook or Twitter. You know, after after the show. Yeah. yeah, after the show. Um. Well, I definitely would like to go skydive. Um. See, my dad used to hang glide as an activity back when he was younger. Uh. I, I guess I didn't go through basic at the time when uh, you would repel as a thing. Uh, so repelling would sounds interesting, and I know how to how to make a Swiss seat out of uh, like repelling rope. See deep sea fishing. I, I know Christy would love to do that. So deep sea fishing would be interesting. Uh, you know, maybe bungee jumping and two would be interesting to do. Uh, definitely zorbing. Definitely got to find a place to zorb. <laughs> it, it's kind of fun to say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just zorb. Like, what did you do this week? Weekend? Oh, I zorbed. You zorbed? What were you playing Power Rangers? Like, no, zorb. Not zorda. Zorba. <laughs> oh. oh, it's because it's a station. Yeah. Uh, oh, until I turn it off. That's why I could uh, I don't know. Mountain climbing, maybe, but I don't have the upper body strength for that anymore. I'd have to uh, <laughs> definitely work work on that. You know, and I'm surprised they didn't ha uh, have, like, marathoning or... I guess those were... You'd figure those were extreme sports, like... Iron Man triathlon, you know, Spartan mudding and shit like that. I guess those are kind of a given. There's extreme sports, but yeah, deep sea fishing, skydiving, zorbing, lots of zorbing. And skiing, yeah. Definitely like to go skiing at least once a month. Snowboarding, definitely. Yeah, I should probably get around to skiing at some point as well. Just to, just for the experience of it. Just to say, yeah, I did that. Well, no. Because I'm not really a person who's like... I'm not the type of person that's like, yeah, I did that. Like, I, I do things because I feel like a person. And I don't really care if no one even knows I ever did them. <laughs> like if someone asks me to compare notes then I'm all happy to talk about it or if I'm telling someone a story because well as humans we are our stories uh, then I'll be like oh yeah uh, right. like I remember I went and I did this and you know had a lot of fun and like I met these interesting people while I was doing it but it's usually it's for me it's never about so that I am able to tell about it 
Like, if you happen to hear me talk about it, that's how you know I do it. <laughs> right? You fuck. Stupid Arachne just, like, hovers around their, their base so they can go get health back. They're just far away enough that I can't get to them. I have no idea what these abilities are. Oh, you either? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I think that's a, that's a good... <laughs> oh, you got the Hulk Smash guy. Apparently. I, I don't know what I'm doing with him, though. Yeah. Well, I chose Loki, so... And go figure one of his things is to stab people in the back. Character <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, Mike tries like to stay, tries to stay pretty faithful. Yeah, it's pre uh, yeah. Uh, on to the next subject then. After a uh, after a small break, and welcome back. So extreme sports. A lot of stuff we didn't know was extreme and. A lot of stuff we did know was extreme, and definitely want to get into an inflated ball and we found out just we've pretend like I'm in American Gladiators. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think at least definitely in in our childhoods, I think our childhoods were was extreme sports. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Oh, well, no, I spent most of my afternoons on a trampoline doing backflips. Oh yeah, I did that too. One of my mom's uh, friends we would go. She would take me over to their house, and I became friends with uh, uh, with her kids. And they had a trampoline in the backyard. We used to do that all the time. And yeah, trampolines are so much fun. Yeah. Go around stealing people's bounces. Give them a bounce. <laughs> tried to backflip and were too close to the edge. But then it, yeah. And it just became an <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, see, I, I had my dad who, who did trampolining himself as a kid. So when he taught me a backflip, taught me how to backflip, what he did was he, he wrapped a towel around my waist. And then I, we would start jumping, and then he'd say, do it, you know, flip. So I'd, I'd go back, and then he'd grab my legs and then just shove me over. <laughs> And it's, and it's once you get past that fear of what's going to happen when you when you go backwards, right. backflips are back are the easiest flip you can do. Front flips are actually take more effort because not only do you not know where you're landing when you land, it's actually like a flip and a half. And then there's like the, and then there is the actual flip and half where you, you jump, flip, land on your stomach, then bounce back. All kinds of fun stuff. How we could probably do a segment on a trampoline, <laughs> but that's for another time. So our next subject uh, is our anime for this week, and Gerald's suggestion was an anime called Dura Ra Ra. 
So we watched the first episode, and I was actually very intrigued by it at the end. Because it kind of starts out you're in a typical anime fashion, new kid, or kid moves to a new area. Um, I wrote down some little notes. Some I, of the things that were... Hmm? I don't think it was that he moved to a new area. I think it was that his friend had moved away and then came back. So they were getting together. No, no, he... No, he, his friend moved away, and he moved. Come to find out, he moved to where his friend was. Oh, okay, I missed that. I thought his friend had come back, had actually moved back. No, it was, it was him moving to the new area. And, uh, and evidently, because I, I didn't quite catch the main character's name, but it's evidently like, uh, like in America, if, like, Gerald and I met... Or, like, Gerald and I were friends, and then, well, of course we are, but in this hypothetical situation, like, I meet some of his friends, and he's like, hey, this is my friend Peter Parker. And then all his friends are like, really? Your name is Peter Parker? Oh, is that ah! why they were so, okay, that's why they were all freaking out about it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was like, that's like a, a, a newscaster's name or something, or like, this is my friend Tom Brokaw. Yeah. And so there's there's a couple tropes like the best friend is really bad at jokes. And then the one thing that that when he they first mentioned it, I was like, "What?" It was the color gang. And I was like, "Whoa, wait, wait, they're getting racist now?" But no, it it's they like all the people in the gang wear like the same color clothing. Yeah, I I assume they were doing it. Uh, I assume that they were doing it just like the gangs in like America, where gangs like wear Bloods a and Crips. certain color. Well, it's not just the Bloods and the Crips. Almost every gang has a specific color that they're associated with, and they wear that color. And then their their yeah. rival gang or their enemy gang has a like an opposite color that if they catch anybody wearing it, you know, somebody getting shot, right? So I, I figured that was what was going on. Um, yeah, so there was that. And then, then, of course, they started talking about manga and stuff. And I was like, oh, they're Utaku. That reminds me of Genshiken. Now, Genshiken, is, it didn't remind me of Genshiken. Um, I actually missed the part. Like, I didn't know what to make of this first episode. I was looking for something to kind of grab onto, but it felt like the episode was constantly keeping me off balance. I didn't know what in the episode I should have been focusing on, right? Until they get to the motorcyclist, the, the black motorcycle rider, and then they get to that, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's going to be a thing. Gotcha. Oh. Yeah, and that was that was interesting too. Like you see that in the in the opening animation, and I figured at, at first I figured this this black biker was a main character. Like it was, there was something there was going to be something to do with like biker gangs or something, but then it wasn't. So I was just like, okay, so I'm gonna start taking notes. Well, so we, still, my little yellow we index still don't card. know if, if the Black Biker is a main character or not. We know that the Black Biker from the first episode is a phenomenon, but we don't know if it's going to be an actual main character or not because it's only the first episode. So it, we could come to find out that it is a 
that the Black Biker is a prominent character. Not saying that that's the case, but we could, since this is only the first episode so far. It, that's another right. thing about the first episode. So when I say it kept me off balance and I didn't know what to focus on, there, I didn't feel like there was very much in the first episode that said that told you what this series was even going to be about, right? And then we get to the Black yeah. Biker, and there's obviously something otherworldly or supernatural going on. Oh, yeah. But there's not even... <laughs> it, it, the only thing we know about the Black Biker is that it's some kind of... Uh, not folk tale, but urban legend. That the Black Biker is like yeah. an urban legend for that area. And that if you're if you get to... If you're at a certain spot... In the street, at, at a street, at a certain time, you can see the black biker go by. And the thing is, it actually happens. If you if you go to that spot at that time, you see the black biker. Um, and everyone has all these different stories about who the black biker is or what the black biker is, and what they show us of the black biker <sighs> doesn't really make much sense because the <laughs> the tales that they talk about when it comes to the black biker is like that he's basically the black biker is basically a doolahan um and these are all things that you 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 immediately learn in the first episode for those of you who don't know what durarara is if it sounds interesting this is all first episode stuff so no, nothing in the plot is being spoiled here this is all stuff you're going to learn in the in like the first uh well throughout the entirety of the episode but what we're what i'm talking about right now you'll probably learn in like the first 15 minutes um but uh you see they, they, the black biker turns out to basically be like the legend talks about how the black biker has no head so the black biker is basically a, a, a new age or modern doulahan um, doulahan? yeah the headless horseman uh, uh, what was it because that was in Sleepy Hollow the TV show well right was, but uh... a, a headless horseman is a doulahan a Doolahan is a dead warrior with no head. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, in uh, in Japanese lore, that's what a Doolahan is. Ah. Well, hopefully they cover that in Mythical Monsters at some point. That'd be interesting. Uh, and they pour, the thing is, they portend uh, if you meet a Doolahan, you are going to die. They portend death. They're portents of death. Like, they can, uh, it's not that they decide that you're going to die, it's either, it's either if at any point in time you're in their presence, uh, like if they appear to you, or they predict a person's death. I forget exactly. Um. Oh, is that a heal? That might be a heal. <laughs> I used it in the wrong place, though. That might be a heal. Um, but uh, so they were talking about that, and then I and I'm still wondering what it did to the guy that it cut because it, it pulls out that sight, and then it uh, yeah, I think that's a heal.
Uh, but uh, it pulls out that scythe and it cuts the last guy. So it, just for people who, so for context, in the first episode, uh, this girl gets duped by these guys and she gets kidnapped. Um, and they even talk about it like uh, the characters are talking about it because they jump back and forth between like people talking online and people talking in real life. And um, they're talking about how there are runaways uh, that are have been disappearing. And it's obvious, it, it, is, it is not said that this girl is a runaway, but she probably was with the way they portray the scene and what ends up happening is uh, she gets stabbed and then the black biker actually attacks the guys that have her and, at, and by the was, end of the that episode that was awesome the way they did that huh? that was awesome the way they did that too well yeah it's cause the black biker just shows up and so the guys just attack the black biker um, and everybody calls the black biker he, but it's very obvious that the black biker is a female. It's a female form. Yeah, you can, you can <laughs> see the, the breasts. Yeah. So they attack the black biker, and uh, the black biker takes down two of the guys, and then um, once those two have been taken down, the third one is in the driver's seat of the van that they have the girl in, and he draw he starts driving off. So the black biker, of course, uh, turns around and uh, starts chasing. And so the guy gets out. The guy hits the black biker, knocks knocks her off of the bike, and then basically stops and gets out so that you know he can go in for the kill. And then the black biker gets up. The helmet has gotten knocked off, and we find out the black biker doesn't have a head. And there's some kind of like mist coming out of the black biker. Yes, smoke or ether or whatever. Yeah, and so the uh, and so uh, it makes this sight out of the mist, and it cuts through the last guy, and he just slumps over, and we don't know if that killed him. If it put him to took sleep, his soul. like yeah, we, we have no idea what it did to him because it didn't do any obvious physical damage. He just stopped and slumped forward. Um, well, he fell to his knees. Well, yeah, stopped and slumped forward. <laughs> well, that that would that would make you think like he dropped to his knees and then fell face down, but no, he just dropped to his knees. Oh, That's okay. not slumping forward. <clears throat> But no nitpicking. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, it's like they don't, unfortunately, and they're trying to keep it a mystery on purpose. I, like, I get that. They are, they, they're making it as mysterious as they can, um, which is why they don't explain anything. Like, I was surprised that there were no, like, because they're talking about the legend, but all they talk about is how the black biker doesn't have a head. That's all they talk about. So... I don't know. It, it, like I said, it was hard for me to know what to pay attention to. And man, I have not been back to base in like a long time. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> so let me go back to base. But yeah, it's there are interesting things in the episode, but I have I, I don't know what to make of it. Like I have no idea what to make of this anime. Um, 
Mm. And and the thing about it is a lot of people will be like, well, give the anime... I try to give animes three episodes, but really, any story should grab you in that first episode. There should be no well, anime that you have to go into the third episode in order for it to grab you and pull you in. Um... But I am more than willing to uh, definitely check out the uh, uh, the next episode of this. Um, I can't. I, I'm not gonna act like uh, I am. Like I'm not gonna act like uh, like I'm like incredibly like excited for the next episode. But I'm willing to to I'm willing to see where this goes, see what they do with it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I found it interesting. Like, so I, that was you had started talking about one of the bullet points I had put down on my index card was the their kidnapping teenage girl. Well, we and don't know if it's the... just specifically teenage girls though, because they were just talking. They were just saying teenage runaways. So we don't know if it's mm. specifically teenage girls. As far as we know, well, I was anybody. Yeah, I was. It, I had the English dubs and the subtitles on. So the subtitles are what I'm assuming is the direct Japanese translation from Japanese. And then, so they they get the girl. Like they have the the attractive, nice guy that meets up with her. And then, you know, he's walking with her. They get to the van. He taps on the back door. The trunk opens up. He pushes her in. Dude puts the uh, the the bag. That's what the, the breathing mask is. The mask with the bag to push oxygen into a person having a heart attack or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I guess they put chloroform in it. So he puts it over her face and starts pumping the chloroform into her into her into her mouth and, and nose and then she she gets knocked out so then they're oh yeah that's this and shut the door and they're high-fiving and punching each other in the dick about it mm. and then that's when they notice the motorcycle in the shadow so they're you know they're all like oh what do you what do you want what are you doing and oh no, wait, no go back out there we go okay so uh one well, of them goes over since you paused i wanted to point out something interesting because mm. after they knock out the the runaway and get her into the van in the back of the van and they drive off they're like there's they're like oh there's nobody around and they and they grab her and they knock her out and then they drive off they pan over to another character who we don't know i assume yet but another character we don't know, and he's like, "But there is someone around," and that's when. And then we go <laughs> to the scene where they've stopped, and then the black biker shows up. So <laughs> it makes you think: Is there a connection there? Who is, is this character we've just seen? Is this like a human form of the black biker? Do they control the black biker? You know, once you realize that the black biker is supernatural in nature. Right. And, uh, okay, so they do that. They see the black biker. The first dude walks up like, what do you want? Maybe, I oh, he pulls the pipe out. Like, he, like he's going to go over and, and knock this 
person that they think is a person in the head. And then that's when the black biker kicks the bike up and punches the dude uh, in the face question. with the front uh, tire. Uh, hmm? Apparently, I've gotten one of the gods as a free quest, as a free reward out of a random chest that I got. I can choose mm -hmm. Fafnir, Apollo, or Agni. What are your thoughts? Fafnir, Fafnir Apollo, is or Agni? Norse, uh, dwarven, uh, the Norse, I think dwarf, who was so greedy he turned into a dragon. And that's actually part of this character's mechanics, he could turn into a dragon. Mm, sounds uh, like that's uh, almost a shoe-in for you. Right? Well, that's exactly who I have my cursor on, but I don't know who's good and who's not in this game, so I, I thought I'd get some input. Uh, well, Apollo is a sun god, and Agni, I'm not sure who Agni is, I think. Agni's the Sumerian god of fire. So all fire characters. Uh, I don't know if Fafnir is fire. I mean, dragon, uh, you would suspect, but I don't think Fafnir was ever a fire-breathing dragon. Um, and I recognize Agni because I used to play, uh, because I played through Digital Devil Saga, Shin Megami Tensei's Digital Devil Saga. We'll have to talk about mm -hmm. that another time. That is a really good series. Okay, I'll put that down in stuff to talk about. I remember you talking about it, too. Yeah. I would like another really good Shin Megami Tensei. I love his stuff. Uh, I'm gonna decline that real quick. I'm gonna decline that. I haven't picked my character yet. Uh... Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, so... Uh, I would say go go with uh, whoever seems the shiniest for you. Oh, well, then that's Fafnir. We'll just go with Fafnir. <laughs> And I haven't even gotten a chest yet uh, to pick anything out. Uh, it's probably based on like an experience bar, and then you get a free random chest. Well, I'm up to level six. Uh, yeah, it's whatever. Well, I don't know if level six is because I'm level six. I don't know. Maybe it's random. Maybe you getting the box is also random. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> Could be. It's whatever. Uh, oh, so yeah, on, back on, to the. Ooh, yeah. I think you got kicked out of the out of the party. Nope, I'm still in here. Are you still? At least on okay. my end. It was showing only one person at the time. Okay, there we go. Continue, continue, sorry. Okay. okay, so yeah. So the dude with the lead pipe walks over, biker kicks the bike up into a wheelie, and uses the front tire to punch the dude in the face and slam him against a pillar. Which I thought was fucking awesome. Then, you know, the the other guy's panicking. Uh, did... And I watched this yesterday, and I, now I can't remember what all happened. Okay, so this is what happened. So Black Biker shows up. They notice the Black Biker. And they basically call out, uh, hey, you got a problem? And no response. And they're like, and then the one dude pulls out a pipe, I think it was. Pipe yeah, or a metal pipe. bat. Um, pipe. And he goes in to swing. The Black Biker basically... Uh, uses its bike in a martial arts way 
Like, think, what is it, Will Smith and Gemini Man? <laughs> and just just basically hits the, the guy with the bat in the face with the front reel and runs his face into one of the stone uh, pillars because they're, they're like in a parking garage. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other guys are like, well, cheese it. It's time to get out of here. <laughs> and so the black mm -hmm. biker runs over and the guy, there's one guy in glasses and he's like, get away from me, get away from me. And the black biker's reaching for him. And then you just see the black biker kind of convulse and you see a, the, the electric sparks, and it turns out the the guy with glasses had a taser. Yeah, the stun like, gun. Yeah. yeah. And and this is this really stood out to me because he's like, I told you not to touch me. And he gets out, and he's like, yeah, we got him. And the other dude is already in the front seat. The, uh, the third guy is in the front seat from here at this point. And yeah. They're talking and laughing, and then the guy in the front seat's like, it, like you see the look on his face, and then the other guy turns around, and the black biker has stood up, and he grabs the guy. Well, the guy in the front seat starts taking off, and they pan back to what the black biker is doing, and you just see this trail of blood on the wall, and then the guy in glasses is on the floor. And I'm like, wow, he got it way worse than the first guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so then then the biker gets on the bike and chases after the dude in the van and that's when the dude in the van sees the shadow and it's like a like a horse so i guess that also ties into the to the headless horseman thing hmm. i wonder if the, i wonder if they made the shadow specifically to be like a kind of uh ink block test because i did not see a horse i heard heard a horse because it you literally hear it like nay so i heard a horse but i didn't see a horse <laughs> yeah I, I it was it was like shifting but like you could see you could see the horse kind of and it shifted away so yeah maybe it is kind of like a like rorschach but then he you know he's chasing him and then you know Gerald's already talked about that part. The dude's like, "Get away from me!" Hits the hits the brake. Biker tries to swerve, but gets hit, and like the bike gets sent like probably twenty feet, along with the the biker. Dude gets out, pulls out a knife, and we haven't even talked about the cat helmet yet either. Like it, the bike, it's a biker in black clothes, black bike, but a yellow helmet that has cat ears. So yeah, the the helmet had uh, cat ears. I don't know if that's relevant though. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know if that's. Relevant. <laughs> and then, and then you know the helmet's over here on the side. The the body stands up. It's got the the dark clouds coming out of it. Dude starts panicking, and I'm sure we're gonna find out what it means when the black biker uses the scythe. Because I I had expected the dude to like fall into two pieces. Right. You see the you see the line go through him, but then he just drops to his knees. So maybe it's maybe he took his soul, something. Cut his soul. I, yeah, I don't I don't know. Or like the or like Ghost uh, Ghost Rider's version of the penance stare. Ooh, that was an awesome attack. The Nyoibo grew. <laughs> 
So then, and then that was, and then that was the end of that. And then it cuts back to the two friends. And that's like when Gerald was saying, uh, the, the friend is like, Ooh, we're just in time to catch the awesome, awesomest urban legend. Then he starts talking a little about, uh, about how if you're at a certain corner at a certain time of day, you'll see the black biker. They get to the corner, it's that certain time of day, and all of a sudden, here comes the black biker. And then that was kind of the end of the episode, wasn't it? Yep. And then he was talking about, and, and then the main character is just the trophiest thing. He's like, and somehow I felt by seeing this amazing thing, that somehow yeah. my life would also like he didn't say this exactly, but it was along these lines that that somehow my own life would soon be amazing. And it was like, oh <laughs> you done <laughs> fucked yourself. <laughs> like that like that whole thing I had talked about I think last week about there should be an anime of that stereotypical anime like green haired anime chick in like every episode is her trying to avoid the first episode of an anime. Right. <laughs> oh, and I, I wanted to also mention, like, the, the friend is like, they're walking around the, the district and he's like, yeah, don't mess with that guy, don't mess with that guy. And then you got this big black Russian. Yeah, they had a, yeah, they a sushi the big black Russian guy. And they spent, like, an uncomfortable I felt like they spent an uncomfortable amount of, uh, the main character spent an uncomfortable amount of time in his own mind, waxing and waning the different, like, the different places he should put black in his sentence. <laughs> it's like, it's, he's like a, he's a black Russian, or a Russian who is black, or a, a, a black Russian restaurant uh, employee, like, he went through like three different iterations, and I was like, yeah, he's just a black dude, guys. Okay. <laughs> like I he was a black I, Russian. I I probably would have been more okay with him, him just being racist in his head. It was like, dude, you don't have to be politically correct in your own mind. <laughs> dude, like, dude, let me let me make sure I check all the intersectional boxes. Yeah, it's like it's okay, fine. black. Okay, yep, yep. Russian. No, wait, no, wait, no, no. Russian, black. No, 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 no. Sushi chef. Black. Black. <laughs> right. No, 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 he, no, no, no. He would Russian. Black in different parts of the sentence. Like, he put it at the beginning, then he put it at the bottom, then he put it in the uh, back. Or at the end, he put it at the beginning of the sentence, he put it at the end of the sentence. It's just like, like, like trying to figure out how best to describe this, this, this man while having like he could have just if he, if he was uncomfortable with saying black he could have just left it out but he was trying to find the most not awkward way to say it <laughs> just like, i just i just like uh, <laughs> i'm like i get it but it's not that serious <laughs> it's like we we've got we've got the source here he says it's not serious not that serious so Um, did the we sushi chef. 
Did we ever get a name for him? The friend, uh, Mada... Oh yeah, is uh, um... Simon or Simeon? Oh right, because they were talking about how uh, people pronounced it. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it was uh, it was like people called Simon, or Simeon. Simon, but it, the way it was spelled, it was like Simon. Like I don't want to say Simon, but like I mean, but you it was like S Y M E N. Yeah, no, it was. Well, on the subtitles, it, it was just Simon, like Simon said. Yeah, and the, and that's what he, he was saying. That was the that was not the proper way to say the name because it was saying that's how everyone was saying, but that wasn't the proper way to say. It. Mm. Something. Yeah, something along those lines. But uh, uh, yeah, and uh, his friend was telling him, "Don't ever." Don't ever make him mad specifically because he literally saw him pick up another guy his own size with one arm. So then that made me think, okay, so is something going on with Simon then? Because that. Oh, and don't forget the vending machine getting thrown out the window. Well, right, but we didn't see what did that. <laughs> like, we never saw what actually did that, though. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's just it. It's a uh, and I I normally the first episode is to set up your world and introduce you to the yeah. characters. But I honestly don't feel like this the the Durara Durara actually did that. Durara. Durara. Yeah, yeah, it did. Well, it's three Ra's. So it's Dura. Yeah, Durara. Yeah. Dura Durarara. Oh, it's Durarara. Okay, so that's how I would pronounce it. Okay, but uh, it, like it introduced us to the to to the characters. It did that, but I don't feel like it set its world up at all. Like in any way, it, it just felt like random stuff was happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh. But I, but I am, um, I'm more than willing to give it a second episode, see where it, see what it does there. I'm even, if, as long as the second episode isn't terrible, I'm willing to, like, as long as things don't start getting, like, stupid, I'm more than happy to continue this anime. It, it looks like it might end up being interesting. Right now, the only thing that's really piqued my interest is the dark, is the uh, dark rider, black biker, uh, the, the black, black biker. biker, yeah. And I feel like if no, they... no, wait, is it, is it, is it black? I think it's no, 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 black no, it's the, it's the, I think it's the, it's black the biker rider. who's, no, 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 it's the person on the black motorcycle who's also black. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, are we, are we, are we doing that bit? <laughs> <laughs> it's the it, it it's the biker who just happens to be black, or the the like do, like is it okay to say black biker? Cause that's so upfront. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, we'll, yeah, I'll have to wait and see, I'll have to wait and see, um, 
in the second episode if I continue with this because I may f they may tell us what the the mystery is behind the black biker in like the next two episodes like I don't know but they might do it in the next two episodes and then I might lose I might completely lose interest so I don't know we'll have to wait and see uh, what so hold you? on to your seats listeners uh, we may or may not continue talking about this. <laughs> well, if you if you want to make it a thing where we go through every episode all the way to the end, we can do that. Just understand that if it becomes bad, I am going to be bitching the entire rest of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. I mean, like, it kind of caught me, but then... You know, even though Gerald and I share very similar tastes, there's certain um, minutia or something of that nature that ooh. No, you're right. Who minutia. Well, no, I was looking at the at the chick with the titties in the background. Oh, oh it's yeah. nice. Uh, Neth. Yeah. They decided that the best way to go with her was the least amount of clothing, apparently. <laughs> mm. That's definitely fan service armor. Mm. But yeah, so like we have very similar interests, but there's certain minutia that one of us might like that the other doesn't. Like with uh, to go back, like we had brought up uh, Gilgamesh, that anime. You really liked that anime. I couldn't really get past the first couple episodes, but then Baki. That Baki one, I really liked that one, but you were like, eh, it's okay. Yeah, Baki... Like, I, I, I understand, like, a lot of stuff about the author, because I, I, I read and listened and heard a lot about the author and stuff, but Baki just is so dumb. It's <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Like, I, I actually, like, when I first started watching Baki, I was like, I was, I was very much into the, uh, I was very much into the whole martial arts, uh, thing. I, I was like, no, this is pretty cool. Uh, the martial arts is okay, so on and so forth. But, boy, Baki got so dumb, so quick, and... <laughs> There's a lot I can say about Baki the Grappler and why I don't like it. And I can, and the thing is, I can honestly understand why it's as popular as it is as well. But I, it, ugh, I was just like, no, a lot of this stuff is just not. It, it's be, the thing with Baki for me is it feels very much like they're trying to explain inhuman acts through actual human beings. And what I mean by that is they're like, this dude can jump off of a uh, skyscraper and land just fine because of the way he controls his breathing and flexes his tendons. And my, and the entire time my brain is going, that's not how physics works, show. <laughs> that no, that is not how that works. <laughs> no amount of breathing or of breath control or well-toned muscle is going to allow a dude to jump off of a 15-story skyscraper and live through it. That's not the way that goes. That's not the way that happens. 
so that that's what really gets me why. Like, and I know a lot of these uh, concepts are like taken out of like actual like martial arts and stuff like that. It doesn't make it any better though. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> right. So we will uh, take a break to hear a word from our sponsor and then go on to the next subject. Got to get paid. Yeah, well, they keep the lights on, right? Hmm. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> and we're back. Gerald's laughing because I'm putting these in for me when I do the editing later. Probably, I don't know, should we mention our sponsors uh, while on stream? We can, but it's the sponsor segment that gets us paid. Well, no, 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 but I mean, should we do both? So you put in your sponsor segment, and then we also mention it on stream. <laughs> well, we can. So... Uh, this episode and every other episode is brought to you by Anchor, the podcasting app that we uh, that I that we started using to record, and it's the it's the app that w that I use to put the podcast out to all the podcast directories. Anchor is free. You can start making your own podcast right out the box, or out of the digital box, I guess, if you want to say it that way, and. Uh, you know, you record segments, you put the segments together, you can edit your segments after you've recorded them. You know, I don't know that you can do multiple podcasts with it. Uh, I, I just do the our podcast gaming sessions and everything under the sun through Anchor. Um, if And uh, just a caveat, if you intend to record by other means like we do, be very careful in the, in the, I don't know if there's a, if it's a size amount that uh, Anchor starts giving you issues with, but like the, like I had to uh, spend a good part of Friday using Audacity to break the, break the over three hours of the, of the podcast down into bits, and I still haven't uh, uploaded them to Anchor yet, but yes, Anchor. You can make your own podcast today, fast and free. So, on to It Came From The Night Side. Ooh. Well, something from the night side. Uh, yes. So I just finished, basically what we're talking about is I just finished rereading the first book in the something in the Nightside series. Uh, it's called Something from the Nightside. It is by the writer Simon Martin, one of my favorite series. Uh, and basically, we are uh, following the character uh, John. Um, and I'm for, I like I'm forgetting his. Uh, I am absolutely forgetting his uh, his last name. And I, it, it, was on, it was just on the tip of my tongue, too. Um, and Taylor. I'm forgetting it. Um, Taylor. John oh, Taylor. Yeah, John Taylor. Yeah, so, so it's John Taylor. Um, it is much in the same vein as the Jim Butcher Dresden file books. 
but it is built on the concept. It, it is stationed in England, and it is built on the concept that England has a darker side called the night side, and it is a world where everything and anything is possible, whether that be damning or saving. Um, so it's, I guess, the best way to describe it is that it is a, uh, I'm getting ganged up on, Bologna is just being an annoyance, I'm gonna have to look up exactly what his skills do, um, after this match, um, but, uh, so, we, we find John Taylor, um, and I, well, I'll try to talk about it in a way that I hopefully do not spoil it. Uh, but basically, John Taylor is a detective. Uh, he, he does run a detective agency. Uh, and he tends to take the cases that, uh, like, he, he feels that when people come to the last resort. And uh, he gets petitioned by a woman to go back to the night side in order to um, find her lost daughter. Um, now, John uh, the good old was, runaway trope. Yeah, and John was born in the night side, and he left for various, various reasons. Um, and he was not happy about being asked to go back in. Um, it, it, it's very much a sort of murder mystery style way that Simon tells the story. Um, and it's very, and, and like we said in, uh, like I was talking about with Christopher in one of the previous casts, um, this is very, very character driven. Um, uh, and I think I'd also said it, it's like a detective noir. Yeah, and it's very like, like, it, it's, it's, uh, I feel like it's, um, I feel like he tells stories in the best way, where they're very light-hearted until something serious happens, right? So John likes to make a lot of, like, sarcastic jokes and things like that, and, uh, I, I don't know. I think I kept a love of the sarcastic protagonist from my growing up with Spider-Man as a child. Like the the, the witty wants to tell jokes witty banter while stuff is going on. I think yes, that's the witty why banter. I like that kind of thing. Um, but uh, and it's very much a like Jim like Jim Butcher, and we're going to talk about this in our next subject, because we're gonna, I'm going to spoil the crap out of the, the next subject, but it's very much in the vein of kind of giving perspective to human experience, right? Um, in having a tale that talks very much about an aspect of why people kind of do the things they do. Um, and uh, and I don't know, bringing it into perspective is the best way I can say it. Um, but the first book, as I said, is called Something from the Night Side. I feel it's a really good series. I would recommend it to anybody. Um, 
So I would say if you're interested, go check it out. Uh, did you have any uh, questions, uh, David? All the questions. Because I, I couldn't find a good uh, synopsis for something, uh, something from the night side. Well, we'll so. do this. Uh, that was my non-spoiler speed. Now we're going to go with the spoilers. So you're going to have five seconds to either stop listening or to skip forward. Um, I can't tell you off bat how far to skip forward. Um, but give it, I'd say skip forward about 15, maybe 20 minutes. <laughs> so going in the spoilers in five. Four, three, two, one. What are your questions, David? Start from the beginning. Okay. So the entire premise <laughs> of the first book, something from the night side, is to introduce you to John, of course, and to basically, and this is what I say about how Durara, uh, Durara doesn't really Durara. set up its world. Um. It, uh, it gives you a bunch of things, and it shows you its main characters, but it doesn't really set up its world at all. There's no world building in its first episode. Whereas in the beginning, even in the first two to three chapters of this book, you're already getting world building. So, John left the night side because he had... Because first off, he felt like all of his friends had turned against him and he had no allies. And if you don't have any allies in the night side, you're usually going to end up in a ditch. Um, <laughs> when he he was he's constantly secretly being hunted by some by some unknown figures. He doesn't know who's been sending them or why. But there have been like supernatural assassins that have been hunting him since he was a kid. Um, so he left the night side to also get away from that. Also, John has a very peculiar special ability, which is his ability to be able to find anything. And when I say anything, I do mean anything. If you so he could find my virginity? To... Yep. <laughs> like if you asked him to find God, he could walk you to the pearly gates, right? Hmm. But his ability only works in the night side. It doesn't work in the overall mundane world. And the night side yeah. is explained in such a way that it's basically a separate dimension, because you have to you have to find paths and doors to get there. So it, it, it's not like it's a world that exists alongside ours, like, like, and you just can't see it. It's literally like a separate dimension you have to get to. And there, there are people in the mundane world who know about it because random people from the mundane world get to the night side all the time. But anyone in the mundane world doesn't actually talk about it, like. So when we first start off, John is sitting in his his detective detective's office, and he's in like one of the worst parts of town. Like it's all run down and broken. He's three months due. On, he's three months past on rent, and mm -hmm. he, 
and Joanna walks in, <laughs> which is the woman whose daughter has run away. And she's like, okay, he's like, yeah, well, did your daughter just get tired of you ignoring her? Because Joanna is a very wealthy woman. She lives in the business world. She's one of those go-getter sharks in the business world. Um, and she talks about how her daughter has run away before, but this time somehow it's different because no matter what what uh, favors she calls in, what connections she tries to find, she can't figure out where she's gone. And the only thing that she could find out using every connection, every favor she could, was someone mentioned the night side. Now, Joanna isn't like one of the four mythical families that run the world but this is a very well to do rich powerful woman and the most she could get was one person who said it who, to tell her that the night side even existed and they only did it once and then she never heard from them again <laughs> so right. that's the kind of place you're dealing with when you talk about the night side and so the moment she brings up the night side, John is like, nope, I don't want anything to do with it. I left that place for a good reason. I'm not going back. Um, and then she writes a check. Because everybody can be bought. It's just finding their price. <laughs> so he finally gives in um, and uh, forgive me uh the the lull in gameplay, but I'm going to figure out what this character actually does. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay. he finally gives in, and he, uh, you know, he sets his price. He's like, I want this much every day, and you pay for all travel expenses and so on. So, and she also says, I'm coming with you. And at first, he's completely against that. He's like, you don't know anything about this place. The only reason you, you, you only know its name. You don't understand what this place is. I'm not taking you. And she's like, well, if you don't take me, I'm not paying you. And I'm not hiring you. And he's like, well, crap, I have rent that's due. And I would like to, you know, eat something that's not three days old. <laughs> so so he, he, he relents and he takes her with him and I remember David you were asking me about like different ways into the night side because there are doors into the night side and I remember you specifically going by the way that John takes to get there and I was stating that no there are many different ways into the night side that's simply the way that John took because that's the way John knows. So what they do is they end up going into the subway. And it's basically, and I, like I also described to David, it's basically Harry Potter. They go to a nondescript wall, and next to it is a phone booth. John goes into the phone booth. He talks on the phone, or he whispers like a... a, a a password or something into the phone. I'm not sure if he says Nightside or if he says something else. Um, I, I, I can't. I can't remember that specifically right now. Not off the top of my head. Um, mm. But then the wall next to the booth opens up, and it's described as red. It's just nothing but red. It's a hall, and it's all red light. <laughs> 
and they start walking hmm. down it, and it feels like they're walking down into hell. Close, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> so then they get into the night side proper, and it's it, it connects basically into another subway. And in that subway, there's all manner of people, beings, monsters, entities. And in the it, now, the laws of the night side are not pinned down. So you have supernatural beings like demons, vampires werewolves uh uh sorcerers wizards dragons all manner of stuff but because the laws in the night side aren't exactly pinned down you also have interdimensional beings and time traveling beings so like one of the beings he describes is literally an alien from the future and there and there are frequent time slips that happen in the night side. So you could be walking down the street and accidentally walk through a time slip unknowingly and end up um like and end up like ten thousand years in the future or a thousand years in the past. And, and, mm. and it's just random stuff that happens. And the time slips are more prone in certain areas than they are in other areas, but this is just things that happen. Um there's a place called the Street of the Gods where there are literal pantheons to gods and the gods actually live there. And he says all the time, if you go there and pr be careful about which one of those places you pray at because you might get an answer. <laughs> mm. Right. So, um... So yeah, the the world that Simon R. Green built is just really, really interesting. It's so interesting. Um, especially the way he describes it. Um, and so, but basically he takes Joanna with him and they start looking for her daughter. Now, once he's in the night side, his ability works again. And he always describes it as him opening up his third eye. And if you know anything about what uh, basically a third eye is supposed to be, I believe it is uh, Indonesian in its origins. Uh, with with chakras and it is and when you open up your third eye it is basically like a spiritual eye and it's supposed to give you the ability to see the rest of the world as it really is it pierces all illusions lies and veils that's 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 usually what it is it it, it is sort mm. of a connective conduit to the cosmos at at large um, yeah, best way to best way to describe it. It's probably not the correct way, um, but that's what I remember. Um, yeah. So he explains it as he that he opens up his third eye, and when he opens up his third eye, he can see everything, and he can locate things. And the way it's described, it it feels in my mind is almost like a radar system. So he opens up his eye, and it's almost like a radar goes throughout all of existence. Because he says that he shines really. So they they do a lot of metaphysical stuff, because he says when he mm -hmm. opens his eye, he, he doesn't like opening, he doesn't like using his ability too much, because when he opens his third eye, he shines incredibly brightly to everything else. So right. there are... And there are plenty of beings that exist in these metaphysical and interdimensional realms that take notice of him when he opens it, when he uses his ability. 
so, it's like sending like sending a flare up that hey i'm here it, the kind way of thing. the way it's described it's literally like he's sending up a flare in a closet the way it's <laughs> described like like think about that just lighting a flare in a closet that's well, you're blind and probably on fire. Right. <laughs> that's that's kind of how he describes it. Um, but yeah, he'll 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 open up and he'll open up his eye and it it in my mind I keep thinking of it as a radar because then he'll just look and he can he can like the thing he did to help him track Joanna's daughter was that he would open up his eye and he would literally see her when she was in the spot they were in. He was literally looking at her in the past. So, mm-hmm. and and the more you hear about how he uses his ability, his his ability doesn't sound powerful at first. It's like, okay, he can just find anything. Well, okay. But... Well, the more he uses it in the story and the more he describes how he can do certain things with it and like with its abilities his his ability doesn't really seem to have a limit to what he can do like at one point in the story he even says he ha- his ability to find things also allows him to find anything even something's death so he can literally find what can kill you. That's the thing he can do. And like I said, in, in, in order to find Joanna's daughter, he literally is looking at, a pa- at, at the imprint that she left in the past from when she was in the spot that they were in. That's how he was tracking her. So he says his ability is to find anything but his power seems to be far more complicated than that, right? It it doesn't seem anywhere near as simple as oh, I can just find anything. Um. So uh. So they so they continue off trying to, to track down her daughter, um, and uh. The entire time they're having like the, the this kind of banter because Joanna is one of those high class rich women who's used to being in a position of power. So his flippant tone with her and not giving any kind of a crap about her status is kind of a is kind of a thorn that they both have to kind of work out between themselves. And I couldn't <clears throat> I cannot like go through every word I couldn't go through every word but they get to a sort of common ground um, and so then they go to uh, they go to a bar uh, I'm trying to remember the exact name of the bar I think it I think it's oh what did he call it uh, what was the bar called is it, it was apparently he he said the stories about the bar was that it was possibly the first bar in the world, and I'm sorry I'm forgetting so many things. These are like I just finished reading the book like four days ago, and so these things were all fresh in my mind, and now ev- now they're all slipping my mind. 
Um, but they go into this bar. Joanna sits down for a drink. Uh, and he talks to another character that you hear a lot about throughout the series, uh, Razor Eddie. And Razor Eddie is the punk god of the straight razor. And apparently he was kind of mm. like uh, – he was like a crime fighter who went to the streets of the guy. Uh, the story was he was like a he was a crime fighter at the time who went to the streets of the gods to to find something, and he found it, and it was his razor. But he also found something else, and it changed him. So he's like this. He's kind of like a hobo. He's basically a hobo. Because he, he basically sleeps in alleys, he doesn't bathe, he smells terrible, but he's also one of the most powerful beings in the night side. Like, he is a god. <laughs> so, and apparently him and John, like, have known each other for a while, and Razor Eddie oh, yeah. is like, Razor okay, Eddie, just, oh, go ahead. I just found it, it's called Strange Fellows. Strange Fellows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strange Fellows. Thank you. Um, considered to be the first bar to ever have existed. And uh, Razor Eddie is kind of like if... it Razor Eddie is kind of like if Batman was poor and didn't care about killing criminals. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what Razor Eddie is. He's like, nope. He's like, he... If all if if Batman was another super powered hero, but he had no money and lived on the street and didn't care about killing uh and didn't care uh care about killing villains, that would be basically Razor Eddie. I'm not saying and when Razor you say uh, and when you say doesn't care, meaning he will kill a motherfucker. Well, he does. He does all the time. Yeah. It's one of the reasons he's so feared in the night side. Because he is a crime fighter, so if he like if, if he finds out there's a corrupt politician abusing kids, he will just kill the guy. Problem solved. Now, can we, can uh, we get if, somebody like that here? <laughs> right. <laughs> like if there is a if, if if the yakuza set up shop next to a mom and pops restaurant and start trying to uh. And start trying to shake them, down, shake for them down for protection money. He will just murder them all and then burn down their building. <laughs> like Razor Eddie doesn't care. <laughs> he don't give a fuck. Like, um, but yeah, and but basically the story goes that they go looking for Joanna. Uh, they go looking for Joanna's daughter. Um, and you run into. And they go through all these different things. I will not spoil every single thing. I will leave it to you as a listener that if you're interested to go read the book. Because a, uh, the way it is written is just very entertaining. Um, but, but basically, a uh, summary of the story is that uh, they finally get to the point where they find where Joanna's uh, daughter has gone. And it leads them to this house out into like one of the worst parts of the night side where people don't go unless they are so, so, uh, so low, they don't think they can go any lower. And then they get to this place and find out, yes, they can. Right. <laughs> it's called Blaston Street. 
Um, uh, so they get there and they get to a house and they're like, and the last imprint that John finds of Joanna's daughter is her daughter going into the house. And he's like, well, that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> it's like, not right. verbatim, but basically it comes down to, well, that's not suspicious. So he opens up his eye to look at the house and doesn't see a house there. There's nothing there. He, he, so he's looking at the house with his gift. Now, once again, his gift is all, he always says his gift is to be able to find anything. Yet, he also apparently can look through to the like he can see things that normally you can't see he can see through illusions and things like that so his uh, so his power is obviously far greater and more complex and has a lot more utility than just being able to you know tell you where your keys are right so, mm -hmm. so he looks at the house and there's no house there and he's like and then he closes his eye and he looks. And he's like, well, there's a house there. I'm looking at it with my physical eyes. And he opens up his third eye again. There's no house. So he's just like, <sighs> he's just, it's it's one of those moments where he's just like, oh, okay, this is going to be a problem, isn't it? <laughs> this is just going to be one of, this is going to be one of those things in the night side. So now at that time, Shotgun Susie shows up. Now, Shotgun Susie is this leather-wearing Amazonian blonde that likes to tote around shotguns. And she's a bounty hunter. And she's one of those bounty mm. hunters where if they ask you to if they ask for you to be brought in dead or alive, 90% of the time dead. you're coming in dead. <laughs> 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 like like uh and uh and one of the reasons he left the night side was because of Susie because when he made the decision to leave the the night side and was actually leaving she actually shot him apparently uh someone had put a bounty out for him and she had actually went after him but mm. And the thing is, there are so many characters that are connected to John that are portrayed as much that are portrayed as his friends, but they're as much his enemies as they are his friends. Um, hmm. and there is animosity between him and, and him and Shotgun Susie. Like him and like he ha like he literally is like, well, what are you doing here? And she's like, okay, well, I kind of deserve that. Because <laughs> you know, last time you saw me, I shot you. So I, I like, I, I, I get it. <laughs> but so they have a little back and forth, and um, but they put that aside so they can go get Joanna's daughter, and then they all get inside that. So they all go inside the house, and the first thing they start to notice is that first off, there are no furnishings in the house. The house is bare minimum, except for like the windows. Um, and he, uh, and they hear, and so they're down on the first floor, and then there's the second floor, and they hear the banging of a door up on the second floor, and John's like, well, yeah, whatever is here is basically daring us to go up there. So, hmm. they, they do go up, 
they find Joanna's daughter and she's like laying on the ground and she's laying on the floor in a room also not furnished nothing furnished um and she's under like a raincoat and so mm. now Joanna since they've gotten into the house has been acting all weird and, and like she like John keeps commenting that she seems a bit too frantic and Joanna the whole time is like, my daughter's up there, my daughter's up there, I gotta get to my daughter. And he's like, well, she seems a little too frantic from what he has, from what he has learned of her throughout the entire time that they've been tracking her daughter down. He's like, she seems a little too frantic. But he, he keeps pushing it aside, pushing it aside. And then we get to the point where he realizes, oh, well, the house isn't really a house. It's some kind of interdimensional fly trap. Wow. It's basically an interdimensional Ugh. being that has been luring people into it and feeding on them. It's Monster House. <laughs> so, um, and what he tries to do is he tries to open his eye so he can see exactly what it is, but that's exactly what the house apparently was waiting for, and it attacks him mentally. And it takes him some time to force the house out of his, out of his mind. And in that interim, everything in the house starts to look like the inside of a creature. Like, they're basically in its stomach. And when they take the raincoat off of Joanna's daughter, she's a part of the floor. Like, they, they can't even tell where the floor of the room they're in uh, starts and Joanna's daughter's skin begins. Like, it's absorbing her daughter into itself. Um. Hmm. So. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of remembering that now. Yeah. So what they end up doing is, uh, he at first John is almost at the point where he's ready to give up because what t the reason Joanna was acting so weird is because Joanna was part of the house, and it was sort of like the whole uh of. What what is that one fish that has the bulb on the end? The angler. The angler. Deep fish. Sea angler. She, she was the bait, so she was sort. Of, she was a part of the house that the house sent out to bring John mm. in, and so that brought up the bigger mystery of well, who wanted John brought back to the night side, and so uh, she gets absorbed back into the house, and he gets so angry about the like all the lives that it's taken what it's doing to to who he thought was Joanna's daughter and then you know all the stuff that was going because he as they were going through the adventure uh him and Joanna had gotten close so he was like he 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 got to the point where he was just mad and so he brought his so he opened up his third eye again and he and this is why I say every time he does something with his power, you realize it's not just him being able to find stuff. He seems mm, to be right. able to warp reality almost. Like, there doesn't seem to be a limit to what he can do so far. So, no, John's too OP. Time to nerf him. He might be too OP. And the only thing that doesn't make him too OP really is the fact that his ability only works in the night side. It doesn't work in the outside world. So 
what he does is he opens his eye and he links him, Susie, Joanna's daughter together and they basically go into the mind of the house. And once they're in the mind of the house, they find the basically the souls of everyone the house has eaten because it hasn't just been absorbing their bodies, it's been consuming their souls. So then he connects himself to all the souls of the people who the house has eaten to to empower himself, Susie, and Joanna's daughter, and he basically just snuffs the creature's mind out. Like, he crushes its mind. Um, And then the house starts, and with the mind gone, of course, the body dies. And the house just starts falling apart. And they're able to rip Joanna's daughter out of the floor. Um, I'm trying to remember Joanna's daughter's name. I cannot for the life of me. Um, but they get her, so they get her up, and she's all emaciated, almost nothing but skin and bones because she's been getting fed on by the house. And uh, him and Susie get them out of the house, and the house basically like half explodes, half implodes, and goes back to the to its own dimension. It gets shot back into its own dimension. And John explains that it was never supposed to be in the night side in the first place, like our dimension. It was keeping itself there by feeding on everybody with its own power. And now that it was dead, its body just got shipped back, basically. Um I think the uh, I think the girl's name was Kathy. Kathy. Yeah, I think it was Kathy. Yeah. Um so as far as John's power, we've seen that he can view things in the past. He can mentally, he can, he can, I think of it like the astral plane, like, cause that's how X-Men uh, explained it when they did uh, psychic things, but he has psychic ability on the astral plane. He can affect souls. Um, and he has the ability to find a thing's death. Like, <laughs> and, and this is... 2OP, nerf now? Huh? 2OP, nerf now? Right? He also has the <laughs> ability that you learn later on that he can somehow take the bullets out of guns. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, he just has the ability to literally, like, teleport them just out of the gun. Because he, he'll have times where a person will put a gun in his face and pull the trigger, and they had a full clip, and then he'll open his hands and all their bullets will fall out of his hands. Will will fall yeah, from his palm. That's a neat trick. Yeah. And, so, so he, and I don't think that has anything to do with his eye. At least I don't think so. Because he, it's never said how he does it. <laughs> mm, definitely so, 2OP. Must nerf now. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the Nightside books by Simon R. Green are really, really good. I recommend them to anyone who likes reading. They're re- anyone who likes fantasy, and if you like fantasy and murder mystery... Because it's basically a murder mystery. Like he's he's look he looks at clues and things like that, and he's always deducing things. So it's kind of a murder mystery, 
and fantasy. So if you're into those two things, I feel like there's no way you can't love this series. He's a really good author. It is definitely good. Gerald introduced me to the books back when we used to live in the same city. And he also introduced me to the Dresden Files, both highly recommended reading. And I would probably refer to it as like detective noir slash urban fantasy. Did I get disconnected again? No, no, you're still there. Okay. I'm uh, so, yeah. reading stuff on the character now. But uh, did you have any other questions about the what was going on? Uh, oh, come on now. It's not even like 2 o'clock. Shouldn't be yawning. <laughs> well, I've been trying to change my sleep schedule too because that's been a part of why I haven't been able to get as much done as I'd like to. Yeah. Uh, not, not any questions that I can think of that are, that would relate to the first book. But, uh, like I've said, also, I highly recommend Nightside books. They're, 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 they might be kind of niche. So if you like Dresden Files, if you like the TV show Supernatural or Winona Earp or... I guess you could even say Riverside because that, I guess, has some kind of supernatural stuff in it. But if you're fans of that type of genre, you'll like Nightside. You'll like Dresden Vod. Anything else for you, or is that time for a break now? No, uh, we can go ahead and do a break. That's about what I have for the Nightside. All right, so we will be right back with the final topic, at least for now. And we are back. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> so this was also part of why we had to move the podcast to today. And... Uh, <clears throat> All those people who don't like spoilers, you might as well just go ahead and stop the show now. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. And for those who uh, were waiting for the spoilers for Nightside, you're good. You can start listening. Unless you also don't want the spoilers for this. Then in that case, you know, have a, you know, have a good week and we'll see you next week. But the next topic is book three of the Dresden Files, Grave Peril. Yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten so much about this story. Like, <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten everything about this story. And then I, I started rereading the book. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot all about that. Oh, yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Uh, this, this is not the book I thought that it was. This is a di <laughs> I was thinking of a completely different book. Um, but yeah, Grave Peril is actually really good. And I and as I was reading through it, I, and I don't know if this was Jim Butcher's intent with this book, but this book is all about the past haunting you. And mm. I feel it like that is. theme fits. Hmm? It probably is. Yeah, it, it's 
because every every conflict in the story is something from their past. Like the main the the, uh, the villain the, the main villain is someone who threatened him in the one of the past books. The secondary villain is someone he defeated in his past. The uh, um, his his issues with his current love interest kind of stem from his past problems with love interests. Like everything is like <laughs> something from your past is, is is screwing around with you now. Um, and even the name Grave Peril, because anything in the grave is in the past, or at least that's how I'm taking it. But uh, yeah, and and that's a that's something I I, I like Artemis. about um, Butcher and the way he titles his books. You know, as as a aspiring writer, one of my series actually does just the two word title, like Grave Peril, Full Moon, Stormfront, Ghost Stories. It's just two words. Yeah. But go ahead, continue. Um, <laughs> but uh, basically, the, the the premise of the book is that lately all the local ghosts have been losing their losing their shit and going crazy, and no one understands why. And ghosts in the Jim Butch in the Dresden world are not like the souls of the dead; they're imprints, they're left behind residual psychic energy. So they're not the actual person they're just a like a facsimile they're a clone of the person that's not actually real and they become real the more potent the psychic imprint was when they were created um, so mm. a lot of ghosts are poltergeist by default because uh, they're usually left behind by a wronged or uh, or uh, like a person who's been murdered or a person who's been wronged. Those are your typical ghosts. Usually they're not powerful enough to be dangerous, but some of them get powerful enough to be dangerous. And Dresden has been going around with his long time friend, Michael. Now, Michael is your straight, your straight man. And your bona fide good, he's the type of Christian you wish probably every Christian you met was, because he's a person <laughs> with he's a person with unbreakable faith. Like he is faithful, but he's not here to make you faithful too. He tells you about his faith, but he doesn't try to force you to be part of his faith. Like, he's, he's right. literally, like, he is the ideal. Like, he is the Christian ideal, I feel. Um, yeah. But uh, they've been going around, and they have been, uh, they've been helping each other on case to deal with, uh, to deal with all of these uh, ghost problems. And one of the, uh, why are you attacking the lion? This is um, it's a it's a buff camp. Well, I know, but you don't attack it by yourself at level like one. <laughs> um, well, nobody told me that. <laughs> you were dying. <laughs> Usually, if you're dying, that means 
leave it alone. Uh, but, uh, so what they end up finding out is that all, uh, the reason all of the ghosts have been going all crazy is because a demon has been running around basically eating them. So they have been going, you know, they have been just going nuts. Now, the demon is a demon that was summoned by a cult leader named Kovas. And Michael Dresden, his uh, LA, I think, what is it? Chicago PD contact. Uh, Karen Murphy. Uh, were all part of the operation that broke up the cult and defeated Kovas. Uh, look, look here, guys. Like, I, I, like I'm, first off, like, first off, I'm range and I'm yes, cut down. Um, but uh, so what they they uh, Michael ended up defeating the demon, and they oh, I better go back and oh, I have low health too. Okay, uh, Michael ended up defeating the demon, and Murphy and Dresden took down uh, Corvos and arrested him. But while he was in prison awaiting trial, he killed himself. No, well, now it seems that he and the demon were back, and they some and they were merged together, so they were now one entity. And it had the ability to shape shift because it was transforming into Dresden to attack uh, Michael and Murphy, and it had the ability to eat uh, the magic of a wizard. And it did all this through their dreams. So it was very Freddy Krueger. So whenever yeah, I was they went about to, to sleep, say very Freddy Krueger. Yeah, it's very, very, very Freddy. Um. So uh, once they realize who it is, now, well, they realize who it is. They start taking countermeasures against him. Now. What they also, uh, what is also going on is that the local bigwig in the Red Court Vampires is having a sort of, uh, diplomatic banquet where diplomatic representatives of all the different, like, supernatural factions are sending, uh, are sending representatives. Well, Dresden gets picked as one of those representatives, and he has to go. Well, Dresden has been dating a reporter, Susan Rodriguez. And when it comes to the world, the Dresden file world, uh, it is... Uh, there are a lot of rules, and they're all like the old fable like vampires can't go into a house without an invitation things like that those are all rules that exist and were set in place for reasons basically um right well one of the rules is the rule of hospitality so this banquet was by invitation only and susan rodriguez being a reporter forged a invitation so she could get in the problem is, because she wasn't <laughs> invited, it exempts her from any protection of hospitality. 
meaning the red court vampires could eat her. <laughs> now, understand that the supernatural world in the Dresden Files is very, very big on like these rules and regulations. These are things that have, these are rules and uh, codes of conduct that have been going on for centuries, millennia. They are important and they are powerful. Uh, a good example right. of that is that Dresden has a fairy godmother. And I know how that sounds, but his fairy godmother is one of the elves. And if any, and if any of our listeners knows anything one of the about fae. old world elves, they're a bunch of pricks. <laughs> like, <laughs> the fae. they are not the Huh? Don't fuck with the fae. <laughs> yeah, they are not the the fairy. They're not the uh, they're not the fair folk from the J.R.R. Tolkien books, like Lord of the Rings. They're not. They're mm. not that. They're. It's sadistic. not like. Uh, it's not like Cinderella, where your your fairy godmother is nice in granting you wishes. Yeah, like they are. Uh, they are sadistic, very dangerous. Um, the only thing about them that's probably particularly good is that they can't lie, but all that means is that they talk to you like a lawyer. They, they use business <laughs> right. speech. They just use business <laughs> speech, and they talk in half-truths. <laughs> like, nothing really ever comes good of dealing with an elf. And his, his fairy godmother is an elf, and he calls her his, he just calls her his fairy godmother. Um, but, uh, he ends up, uh, having to make a deal with his fairy godmother to save him and Michael when they're fighting the ghosts earlier in the book. Well, now they're, well, he tries to break that promise, and so at mm. the banquet, um, and by breaking that promise... Uh, Michael has to give up his sword, Amaracus. And I'm not pronouncing that right, but the actual spelling of the sword, I, I don't know how to pronounce that name. Now, the thing about Michael's sword, now, when I tell you that Michael is the, like, the, the, the most faith, like, the purest, most faithful Christian, I mean that, and in, and in this world, that is recognized by God, because Michael is a bearer of one of three swords that were crafted from the nails that nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. It, he, it makes him a holy warrior, a holy warrior for, it literally makes him a holy warrior for God. Um, yep. And when Dresden broke his promise to his fairy godmother, uh, he, what he ended up doing is uh, he caused a, uh, by breaking that, there are consequences for breaking promises in this world because it's a world of magic. And like I said, there are rules and codes of conduct that have been upheld forever, for forever. So when you break a promise, like uh, the one that Dresden basically made, um, 
it causes a penalty. And one of the penalties was that in order to save Dresden's life, Michael had to give his sword to Dresden's fairy godmother. Um, hmm. And in order to get it, and they found out that the sword was going to be at the party uh, the Red Court Vampire was given. So that's... Okay, that's just, a, just a quick pause. I think it is pronounced Amarachius. Is it Amarachius? Okay. Yeah, that's how I would pronounce it. Okay, then I don't think I was too far off with my pronunciation. Um, but yeah, Amarachius. So this is a bona fide, legit, holy sword. Like, bona fide, legit, holy sword. Um, and has been one of the biggest pains in the Red Court Vampire's butts for the longest time. Like, this, this is one of the swords that keeps like 30 to 40% of the evil in the world at bay, right? Like, this <clears throat> is an important, like, mythical item. <laughs> um, right. And Dresden lost it because he tried to recant on a deal. Once again, something from his past biting him in his butt. Um, and that seems to just be the entire theme of this book. Um, so they go to the ball. And like I said, uh, Susan Rodriguez, Dresden's girlfriend, forges a document in order to, uh, an invitation to get in. Which is it immediately found out that she forged it, which means she's not under any protection of the hospitality of the person who invited her. So they tried it. So the so they do try to eat her, and then Dresden, of course, defends her. But by defending her, he breaks the rules of hospitality as well, which means that the Red Court vampires <laughs> um, have free reign on literally tracking him down and killing him. So this is this is very much kind of in the vein of if uh, and I don't know if it's too soon for this analogy, but let's say Russia and America are in a cold war. Right. And they're but they're not allowed to attack each other without good reason. So let's say America's ambassador does something that breaks an international law. Well, now America can't protect that ambassador, and that ambassador is subject to Russia's uh, criminal justice system, and how they would punish right. that infraction. That is basically. It have what to be something happened. really bad because an ambassador has diplomatic immunity. Well, right, but he was Dresden was just a representative. It, the 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 people invited to this party aren't actually diplomats. They're, they're, I say they're diplomats, but they're just representatives of the party. So I guess instead right. of diplomat, I guess it would be better to be like if uh, if America just sent someone from a department to talk to Russia, and then they offended Russia, or they killed a hooker, or something like that. <laughs> right? And then... America was like, well, we can't protect you because you broke a law, dude. And, you know, the, the repre representatives just kind of shit out of luck. That's basically mm. what happened. I've and... got a better analogy for you for this, <laughs> and it actually did happen. So, 
So say you're a student, like a college student, you go to North Korea and you violate one of their nth degree laws of something, something. Well, you're, you're just a citizen. Can't really do much for you. Sorry, buddy. Until the president does something, you go off to gulag, mm. which happened to a kid. That's probably a better analogy. I probably could have worded it better, but yeah, essentially. Oh, but I, I think everyone gets the general point, though. Um, <laughs> but uh, so now, oh Dred, now, so now the Red Court vampires have free reign on both Dresden and his girlfriend. Um, now. Now, now remember when I and I keep I keep making this point that this is all about things from the past coming back to haunt mm -hmm. them. So the yep. person who held this big banquet banquet is Bianca, and she's kind of like an oh. up, right. She's kind of like an up and coming <laughs> big wig in the Red Court vampires. Well, Bianca mm -hmm. is the nightclub owner that tried to kill Dresden in the first book, Stormfront. And the way that happened is that he went to her nightclub to ask her questions about a murder that had happened, and she thought, for some reason, this is one of that. This is one of the only issues I have with Stormfront. I think I had one or two others, but this was the biggest one. Bianca, for just for no, with no evidence, for no reason, just decided it had to be Dresden that did the murder. Which wouldn't explain why he would go to her asking her questions about the murder. Mm. But because the, the the guy that got murdered in Stormfront book was a regular that she actually liked and that was a regular of one of the girl of one of her uh, of one of uh, her girls who was human. And the the human girl was in the room at the time when Bianca tried to no i don't think she was in the room at the time but when bianca tried to kill dresden he fought her off and injured her in the process and being a vampire in order to sustain herself she needed to feed so the girl who she said earlier was one of her favorites was she had her come in and she fed on her and it killed the girl so she got so she promised Dresden that she would make him pay for that. And the entire time I'm reading that, I'm like, but you started it, bitch. Was, I, was he like not supposed to protect himself when you just attacked nope. him with no evidence? He's not supposed to protect himself. Yeah, nope, I was like, all. what do you need? So be, this is Bianca's this is basically Bianca's revenge against Dresden. Apparently for she, something that she did. For something that she did to herself, right? So she <laughs> apparently had orchestrated pretty much this whole thing to try to kill Dresden. Um and uh let's see what so Susan ends up getting kidnapped by the Red Horse. Uh, Dresden later on also gets kidnapped by the Red Court. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. 
Um, let's see. Everybody gets kidnapped by the Red Court. Because <laughs> Michael's wife gets kidnapped by... Well, no. Michael's wife gets kidnapped by uh, Corvos' ghost. Um, and then of Susan gets kidnapped, and that is to lure Dresden to the Red Court vampires, who then capture him. Um, and then he, go, he goes to sleep into his dreams, defeats Corvos there, absorbs Corvos and uses the the amount of power he gets from Corvos to then basically burn to basically kill Bianca and every Red Court vampire in her estate. Hmm. Unfortunately, it's too late for Susan who has been bitten and turned. But she hasn't been fully turned. Because the way the Red Court vampires work is, uh, it's an old, uh, it's an old vampire, uh, it is actually an old vampire legend, where if a vampire, uh, if, uh, you don't actually a, fully turn until you feed for the first time, right? right? If you're bitten by a vampire, you don't actually become a full vampire until you fed for the first time, um, off of a human. Yeah. And you, I think you have to... Do you have to kill them in the process, or do you just have to feed from them? I forget. Well, I, I guess that would depend on your uh, ability to hold back. <laughs> um, so she's basically a half vampire, and uh, one of the subplots was whether Dresden loved her, and if he was going to ask her to marry her. Uh, ask her to marry him, which is what uh, uh, Michael was constantly harping on him about. Like um, you gotta make it official. Yeah, like make it official. It's like, are, and like they're in the car going toward one of their jobs, and Michael's like, "Do you love the girl?" And he's like, "Well, what do you?" He's like, "Michael, we're in the middle of a job. I got police chasing me because we're running red lights, and you want to know about my love life?" He's like. He's like, Dresden, yeah. it's a simple question. Do you love the girl? <laughs> and Dresden's getting more and more agitated. It's a really good it's a really good scene. I liked it. Um Uh I also like the Dresden file books because it very much deals with it it deals with the theme of uh how people tend to not like to deal with the truth of things. Like one of the things that they uh, that the book actually was talking about was how uh, like ghosts can't really affect anything unless you acknowledge them. And so people tend uh oh no no i'm getting my wires crossed uh i'm getting my wires crossed it was that uh like people would be killed by a ghost like ghosts would be calling causing damage and would be killing people and instead of uh oh, no, i got to pull back um but uh instead of uh oh that's the whole team no one else is here. Why? Is it, where's my team? Hang on, oh, I'm coming. I'm base. coming. <laughs> I was recharging my mana. Uh, um, but uh, 
one of the things that uh, is a recurring thing, uh, a recurring uh, saying in the Dresden Files, is how people are more comfortable with the mundane answer because there are these supernatural happenings and goings on all the time with unexplained and unsolved cases, and the truth of it can be told, but no one will wants to accept that truth, right? Now. Now, part of that is also that the supernatural world tries to keep itself as secret as it can. And one of the biggest things in the Dresden Files books is that humanity are nukes. Because if humanity were to find out about a particular thing, then basically all of humanity would come together to destroy it. And even though individually the supernatural creatures may be stronger, when you uh, can't really do anything about, you know, 8.6 billion things, right? You're just outnumbered and outgunned at that point. Um, uh, but they talk about all the time, especially when it comes to Murphy, because Murphy in the Chicago PD has to actually uh, write her reports and lie about things <laughs> so that when she sends her report in, her superiors don't basically call her crazy and put her in a straitjacket. She can't actually <laughs> report the truth in her cases because no one would believe it. Everyone is more comfortable with the fact that everyone would be is more comfortable going well it was a uh it was swamp gas that got ignited and that's what the problem was rather oh, than swamp gas refracted off a weather balloon right to use the men in black thing yeah rather than <laughs> no my neighbor was eaten by a cyclops like that actually happened we have video <laughs> right so he he deals a lot with the with the human condition on the unknown and the and how people tend to deal with it and usually the way people tend to deal with it is just to pretend it doesn't exist. Um and that's a that's a big trope with a lot of uh, a lot of stories that deal with supernatural stuff like uh the Percy Jackson books. They yeah. call it the mist. So, like, you could be, like, for example, I think the final battle was held in New York. Yeah. Which uh, also goes in with the uh, the Red Pyramid books. So, like, you got the you got the demigods from from Camp Half Blood fighting Titans, and I think. Who's and it's not Loki. Who's the trick? The Greek trickster god. Uh, you mean uh, uh, Mercury? Um, well, I get. Well, Mercury is the, the, the messenger Roman god. Name. I'm trying to remember his Greek name. Um, uh, why can't I remember his Greek name? Uh, it's the it's the black character from Futurama. Yeah, Excuse us, listeners, while we're trying to figure <laughs> this shit out. Like, just, Hermes. 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 Yeah, Hermes. Uh, is that who you're thinking of? 
was, no. Um, so it was it was Hades, always Hades, when it comes to Greek mythology, because he he hated getting the the shitty end of the deal from the from the three brothers. But uh, so like it was. So it was the big battle with the Titans and, and all this and, you know, just normal people because of the mist will probably see like a 10 car pileup because yeah. their brain couldn't process that. You know, you've got Kronos here. You got this other Titan here. You've got like teenage kids with swords and spears and friggin uh, tridents or whatever fighting these things. So your brain's like... Like you, you hear the 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 old timey logging on to the internet noise, like yern yern yern, and it's like, oh, it's a ten car pileup. Gotcha. Well, I think uh, I think that uh, Jim Butcher does it way better than that, because first off, uh, Jim Butcher's is more on a is is on a much smaller scale, right? Yeah. So well, I mean, it's not encompassing. I'm, I'm equating. I'm equating. Well, right. But I I feel like Jim... The reason I say I feel like Jim Butcher does that far, far better is because it's not that people are being bewitched by some mist or something like that. They're seeing what is actually happening and just choosing not to believe it. They're convincing <laughs> themselves that it is the <laughs> light refracting off of the swamp gas. Like, it, he uses the natural... He uses the natural mental defenses that people use so that they don't have to face the things they don't want to face. And he uses those in his story, right? So, when a werewolf tears up a... Uh, like, tears up a Applebee's or whatever right everyone goes mm -hmm. you know people know that was no dog that was no wolf this was some huge thing that murdered like 12 people in the blink of an eye but the news story and the police report will be large rabid dog and and everyone will just accept that because that is an easier thing to accept than the fact that no it was a werewolf and now we have to rethink reality. But instead of rethinking reality, we can just accept it was a large rabid dog and go on with our lives like nothing changed and we can and we can feel safe because they killed the dog and everything's fine now. <laughs> so right. and and that's what I was bitching about yesterday. That's what I was bitching about so hard yesterday. That mentality that even in the face of factual evidence, people will just go, nah, that's fine. I'd rather just substitute my I'd rather uh, just substitute my own reality for actual reality. <laughs> hmm. I, I disavow your reality and substitute my own. But yeah, so continue. Um. Oh, oh, where was I? Um. Oh, I forgot where I was. An enemy has been slain. 
uh, the vampire, uh, Susan became vampire, but because of the oh, old rule, right. she, she has to feed. Yeah, she became a half vampire, and she wasn't sure that she could control her bloodlust. So when Dresden did ask her to marry her, uh, marry him, because he came to the conclusion that he did love her and wanted to be with her, he asked, uh, he did ask her to marry him, and she said no because she didn't want to hurt him and she wasn't sure if she could actually control her bloodlust. So, right. uh, and that basically is where the story uh, ends for that book. Uh, everyone else is basically recovered. I don't think there were any serious casualties this time. Uh, but uh, Murphy went through some really harsh uh, issues because uh, she was uh, really mentally uh, damaged by Corvos um, when he was uh, feeding on her mind. He actually, there was actually a point in time uh, in the book because he actually like physically goes to, uh, to see Mur Murphy in the department as Dresden and he's disguised as Dresden and like literally has his fingers in her brain and he's like feeding off of her psyche. Right. Almost got away. Um, but no, overall a really good book. Like I said, I, uh, the theme of things from our past haunting us in the present uh yeah just another really really good well-written book it, it amazes me that jim butcher says don't be a writer just write by the seat of your pants because none of his books feel like they're written by the seat of his pants hmm. maybe they are at first and then his editor goes clean this mess up <laughs> probably <laughs> <laughs> okay so final thoughts uh once again a really stellar installment in the dresden file series i recommend it go out i mean give final him, final final thoughts. Money. it's worth it just throw your money at him take money my money Maybe we'll start getting, uh, maybe we'll start getting his books, uh, a lot sooner. <laughs> hmm. Well, we know as, as writers, uh, the process can be lengthy. It can. <laughs> like, and I'm not saying it can't be. Um, I just remember when we used to get a book from him every year. And I think we're supposed to be getting his latest book this year. And it's been about two mm -hmm. and three years in between from the from his last. So, think, yeah, I mean, the more money you give him, the more time he has to work on it. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. Right. Right. More stories. So we shall wrap up now. Because I need to go uh, oh, get, get, get something. Yeah, <clears throat> gotta go get something for Christy to eat. Not saying that is in any kind of way other than just she wants something to eat, so I gotta go get it for her. <laughs> what other way would you have said it? 
Mm. I'll tell you off air. Okay. <laughs> so, final thoughts? Uh, those were my final thoughts. Hmm. But yes, uh, Dresden Files, good series. I've read all of them, but I think the latest, plus the one that hasn't come out. Uh, Nightside, good series. I should probably try to pick that up again. Um, I think I'm about to go try a, a new extreme sport called throwing myself off a cliff, because now the wife is mad. I mean... That kind of is an extreme sport. <laughs> actually, I just thought about that actually is another one of the ones I saw. <laughs> you usually what? do it with water under you. Oh, cliff diving? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, I guess... Uh, listeners, keep... Uh, don't, don't get too attached to our do a rah-rah review in case Gerald doesn't like it, or he just starts complaining about everything bad about it. Well, that's fine. I mean, I'll go through the entire... Like, if if we get some feedback and people are like, we want to hear more of what you think about it, I'll go through the entire first season. That's not a problem. But if Thank if you. I feel like it starts not being interesting or it's no longer good in my eyes, I'm just going to start picking it apart. <laughs> so if you're someone who loves that anime um, and I go I'm not enjoying it anymore I think I want to stop don't just let me stop because otherwise I'm going to tear it to pieces <laughs> and please do give us feedback we haven't gotten any feedback yet uh, people will give feedback when they have feedback to give and when they feel not a big deal. Uh, yeah. We would like feedback, but no pressure. Yeah. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at GSAEUTS. We have the Facebook page and the Facebook group, Gaming Sessions and Everything Under the Sun. Please follow us on our Twitch channel so we can start making money off of that. That's also GSAEUTS. Um, Give us feedback, give us constructive criticism, tell us what you'd like us to talk about. Just anything, give us something. I turn it over to you for final, 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 final thoughts. No final, final, final thoughts. We're all done here. I hope everybody has a good day today. I hope everybody has a good week. I will try to be a better person. <laughs> and hopefully everyone will tune in to listen uh, next time and we'll bring friends with them. Yes, bring, bring your friends, tell your enemies, tell the cop that gave you a ticket. Jeez, is a copy does stupid amounts of damage. Ticket. But on that note, yeah, well, maybe I just suck at her. Uh, but on that note, everybody, thank you for listening. Have a good week, and we will catch you next time.